We just wrapped up with Cam Dobbs. She is a former University of Miami volleyball player, um, now coaching there. She's doing all kinds of things, um, getting into her broadcasting career. And um, that was a lot of fun. She is so energetic, um, loved everything she said. This this episode really, so whether you're coach, athlete, or whoever, um, this one's a really important one, especially it has to do with injuries. And I know Josh and I have talked about injuries before in the solo episode a while back, but um, especially in terms of concussions, a lot of athletes out there. And if you're listening and you're this athlete and you're the type that, you know, you try, you get a concussion and you try to say like, Oh, I'm fine. Cause you want to play. You need to listen to this episode um, and coaches too, in terms of paying attention to your athletes and not ignoring their signs too, because she gets into how severe her injuries were. And um, I guess I don't want to give away spoiler alerts, but just how it affected her uh, athletic career. Yeah, this was an amazing episode. Shout out! I, I did it a couple of times. Shout out to the mindset guys and the mindset mm-hmm. podcast because they recommended Cameron and everything they said was was completely true. She was amazing, and yeah, her story yeah. is pretty incredible. And you know, I think sometimes we we you know when you and I have talked about different stories that we've heard or guests that we've had on. Sometimes we look at a story like hers and we we immediately think of athletes who are maybe dealing with the same stuff, mm-hmm. but. I, I feel like during the middle of this episode, I was thinking this is really important information for any athlete, whether you're currently dealing with a really difficult injury, or maybe you haven't had any injuries yet, but you you plan on competing at higher levels and there could be at any moment, an injury that's awaiting you. Right. I think it, this is a good thing to keep in mind. Everything she's saying, whether you've had an injury or or not, I think it's something to keep in mind because you never know what's going to happen, you know, day to day, like, right? Like, every day is a new day and every day brings new challenges. And I think what she's saying is super important. Like you said, for anybody who's dealing with anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she just said a lot of good things, super inspirational, uh, super energetic, which was, which was awesome. And uh, we would definitely yeah. recommend listening, obviously listen to this episode, but make sure you follow her as well on all the social media platforms because uh, it would be well worth your time. So it's a fun episode. Yeah. You guys will like it. Yep. For sure. For yeah. sure. Cool. All right. All right, here's here Cam. Yep. Yep. All right. See ya. Bye. Now it is time. Now it is time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Character Combine. Character Combine. Yeah, you ready? You ready? When he goes beyond the scoreboard, the scoreboard. Coaches, coaches, I want you to have the type of voice, type of voice that your athletes will hear decades later and still recognize the leadership that you hold in their life. In their life. In their life. Get this thing. Get this thing started. Welcome to the Character Combine Podcast. I'm Josh Takimoto. And I am Deb McCollum. And today's guest is former volleyball player from the University of Miami. She's a coach, a journalist. Uh, Honestly, she's a bunch of other things I don't have listed, but if you look at her Instagram profile, you can see all the crazy stuff that she's doing. Cameron Dobbs, how's it going? What's up, guys? I'm so excited to be on today's podcast. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a blast and I can't wait. Yeah, I you love her energy. Of, I was going to say, that's the most energetic. Uh, that got me excited. Yeah, I know. We picked the right person, I think. And we yeah. have to, we have to, we were just talking about this before we started recording. We have to give a, a shout out to the Mindset guys uh, the, at the Mindset podcast because um, they had really, really great things to say about you. And I think they contacted me right after they recorded with you. And they're like, hey, I don't know if you're looking for guests, but we have one that you need to get on the show. I'm like, all right, whatever you guys say. So um, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for recommending uh, Cameron and I'm, I'm excited. So thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks again for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So 
we have some warm up questions for you. This is kind of what we do on this on this show. So just like athletes need to warm up for a game, this is our warm up for the podcast. So I hope you're ready. Oh boy, here goes nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go, Cam. So the first question is, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word vacation? Oh, a new one. Um, Miami. And the best part is, is I live where people vacation. <laughs> so I live in Miami, Florida. I came down here uh, to the University of Miami again, like you guys said, to play volleyball. I've been here ever since, which I'm still in school. So it makes sense. Yeah. But I love Miami. It's paradise, both the university and the city as a whole. And it's a vacation spot, but I live here. That is a, that that describes that makes sense. That's why you're so happy. That's why you're so energetic. That's that's the key to life, man. Just live in the vacation spot. That is awesome. Oh, yeah. Sunshine all day. It was like 85, 90 yeah. degrees today. And wow, we're usually like at the beach in December and January. Oh, it's the best. I love it. It's awesome. You would never think that, though, by my pale skin that I go to the beach all the time. <laughs> But I promise you guys, I do. <laughs> that is awesome. I've never been to Miami. Have you, Josh? No, I've never I've been. Never either, had the chance. I want to now mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, it's incredible. List. It's awesome. Okay. And one thing about the university too is everyone thinks of like UM as the U and like the you know the whole legendary iconic football place, especially in the '80s, right. the Rock. Like you think of all these things about Miami and the U. But the University of Miami is actually like a small school based in Coral Gables. It's not even quite in the city of Miami. It's a private school. And so the university, again, as a whole, is just literally a resort. And it's kind of tucked away a little bit. It's so peaceful. It's so nice. And yes, of course, you know, we do still hold those legendary, iconic moments of a sports school as well. When you think of the U. But it's really so different than what people imagine. So I encourage you guys definitely to take a visit both to UM and to Miami because it'll blow your mind. It's incredible. I love it. I could go on and on about it, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That needs to be the next spot then for sure. My vacation I think so. spot. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that was a great, a great pitch too. No, I'm sure like any athlete, I know any athlete who's listening to this is like, well, I guess I'm going to Miami. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta do my share of recruiting, you know. Absolutely. Hey, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, sold. Well, good job. You survived the first warm-up question. Um, the second one is what do you think the world needs more of? Oh well, clearly I would say Jesus, first off. But I would also just say joy. Like, as you guys can probably tell, I'm a pretty joyful person. I'm usually happy go lucky, like try to see the bright side of everything. My favorite Bible verse. I mean, getting sidetracked into that, but it's rejoicing to be glad today's the day that the Lord has made. And so that's kind of my mindset going into life of every single day of just taking it as an opportunity to live, to play where my feet are and just to make the most of it. So I think the world needs some more joy. It would solve so many problems and just make us look at things on the right side of things. I love it. I have to completely agree with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. 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 That was I think, a good one. Well, was I was going to mention, I, I don't think I mentioned this, but you're also, the, are you the president of the Fellowship for Christian Athletes on your campus too? Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. That reminded me. Yeah. 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 So again, you do a lot of stuff, so I couldn't list all of it. That could have been the entire <laughs> podcast just going through your resume, but um, yeah, that's, that's great. I, I completely <laughs> agree. I'm with Deb. I think the yeah. world needs more, more joy, joy. for sure. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of joy, so something that gives me joy out of many things in life is uh, music. So my my next question um, is my signature question that I ask all of our guests. Um, so I call this question, what is your life song? And now when I say life song, I mean, like, if you could pick a song that you listen to and like, it's, it's something that, you know, like, this is, this is me, this is my life. This is the phase of, you know, my life that I'm going through. This is the season that I'm in. Um, so what is something that uh, sounds like that? Like, what is your life song? Yeah, that's such a good question. I love that. I'm a huge, just music fan in general. I love music. I'm always listening to music. And I've always been that way. In fact, it's funny you asked this question too, because back when I was 14 years old, so seven, eight years ago now, taking it back a little bit, I remember I was playing at A5, my club in Atlanta, club volleyball in Atlanta. And I got, a, got this spot on the one team. And it was this legendary coach. Her name is Suzanne Fitzgerald. And she's like the coach at A5 that everyone like respects, but also is kind of terrified of. Yeah. And Suzanne was this ex-Marine and her fiance was her assistant coach and he was an ex-Navy SEAL. So you can imagine them both being a little intimidating going into the season as a little scared of just surviving, let alone, you know, starting, let alone playing on the court, whatever it may be. And so I remember that year, though, I was so nervous going into every practice, especially at the beginning of the season, just really not knowing what to accept except for what I've heard of the horror stories of how hard it all is. And my mom, during that time, that was when Kelly Clarkson's What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger song came out. And so my mom would tell me every time we would hear it in the car, like, this is going to be your song this year. This is your song this year. And I don't know if it relates to, you know, every single moment of my life or my entire life as a whole. But I think that is such a good, like, as cheesy as it may sound, such a good life song to have what doesn't kill you makes you stronger because it's so true I mean what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and every obstacle you face every trial you have you build a testimony from it you build strength from it you build you live and learn you know so I think what doesn't kill you makes you stronger always a safe answer but also so so true and relevant that is so good that was like one of the best explanations about a awesome. song and like a lead into it I love that song right on that was you know, good. You should have picked harder warm-up questions. Like she made that look really I easy. <laughs> I know, but you know what? I think I picked. I think she was the best person for those questions. So I agree. I think it was I agree. meant to be. Yeah, that was good. Thank you. Well, you survived the warm-up questions. Congratulations. Those were supposed to be like the hard-hitting questions. So now we get into the easy stuff, which is all about you, which we're excited to get into. Yeah, right absolutely. Now. Yeah. Um, so this always, always sounds kind of silly when we explain, you know, who you are and what you do in your intro, but we're going to ask this anyways. This is always the, the same question we lead off with, which is um, give us a little bit of an explanation of what your athletic and coaching background uh, has been and then how you got to the place you are today. Sure. I mean, that's obviously a loaded question and a lot to it. So yeah. I guess I'll start off a little vague and then feel free to ask more questions to go and dive deeper into it. Perfect. Uh, but basically athletic background, I grew up in a family of athletes. So my mom was always an athlete growing up, just playing every sport. She had two older brothers, was always doing something. My dad, same thing with him. My dad actually went on to play in college as well. He played at Auburn University on the football team. 
um, with Bo Jackson. I always throw off that name just wow. to show you how good his team was. <laughs> um, <Pretty good. laughs> and then, of course, they raised all athletes as well. So my older sister, she went to Auburn, played volleyball there. My brother went to Vanderbilt, played football there. He's actually still trying to get into the pros. He had a tryout literally two days ago, I think, for some professional league. Um, and then my sister's husband, so my brother-in-law, he also played football at Auburn, was on a team with Cam Newton. So another wow. name I like to throw out. Sure. Um, <laughs> wow. And then my story, of course, obviously I was an athlete as well in this family. I started playing volleyball when I was about 11 years old, I believe. Grew up playing any sport and every sport. I was literally like the only girl on the boys baseball team as like a little kid. Like I was always doing everything. And so when my sister started playing volleyball, though, I saw her and I always copied everything she did. And so I was like, okay, I want to play volleyball too. So I started playing volleyball and the rest is history. I gave up basketball, which was like my second favorite sport, continued pursuing volleyball. And by the time I was a freshman in high school, before I was even a freshman, technically before that year started, I was already receiving college offers, full rides for playing volleyball in college. And so, so volleyball and college recruiting started pretty early for me. I got serious about it as a 13 year old. That's when I started playing club. I knew it would be what I wanted to do down the line. I knew I wanted to play in college. My sister was playing in college. I wanted to do the same. And so, yeah, volleyball recruiting started really early for me. I played volleyball at A5 best club in Georgia by far, best club in the Southeast, also consistently like the number one slash number two team in the entire nation or club in the entire nation. So very top-notch club. I love them so much. They also actually have a podcast and I was on their podcast like last month or so, um, but they're awesome. And they really trained me up just so much as the athlete that I am, the volleyball player that I am. And through A5, I got awesome opportunities to obviously just play at the highest level of club but I also got to play in Germany, in Prague, in Czech Republic, um, in Poland, all over, and also in Brazil. So they also just gave me so many great opportunities to play with them. That, again, just led me to this high level of volleyball, this high caliber of volleyball that eventually brought me to the University of Miami to play. So I committed to UM when I was 16 years old, I believe, and came here, college freshman, played. And then played my freshman year. That's the year we went to NCAA tournament, which was a blast. And then played my sophomore year. My sophomore year, it's funny, things got a little crazy. So freshman year was absolutely incredible season of volleyball. To this day, it's one of our best in program history. We had great players. It was just our chemistry was awesome. Everything was to the T perfect. Like as much as you would want a volleyball team to be, that was it for Miami. It was a great season, a great year. And then a sophomore year rolls around. And it's a little bit different. So sophomore year starts out and the team's just not the same. Obviously, we had like five or six girls graduate. So we had a pretty young team going in. On top of that, I was also the only freshman. And so my class was really small. And then we had a lot of girls coming behind me too. Mm -hmm. So sophomore year starts out. I'm going in like year two, kind of getting the hang of things. And then I got beat out by a freshman, which wasn't fun, but she was super talented, like such a good stud volleyball player. So all good. So when I got beat out by her, though, I actually switched positions. So I came in as an outside hitter. And then when I wasn't playing as much as an outside, then I switched to playing DS, 
So I'm not sure how much you guys know about volleyball or our listeners know about volleyball. So start out as an outside hitter and then switch to DS, which means I'm only playing the back row. So I was always a really good passer, always a good defender. Wasn't really a big deal, except I wasn't hitting, which was kind of the thing I trained to do for the past 10 years <laughs> before that. So obviously a different role, but I was starting nonetheless. I was playing nonetheless. It was awesome. I loved it. Contributing to the team. Couldn't have asked for anything more. So I start getting the hang of this whole defensive specialist thing. I was probably like the tallest DS in the entire nation because DSs are usually pretty short and I'm 6'2". So a little bit of difference there. And then that happened. And then a couple weeks go by, like I said, I was getting the hang of it. And then I get a concussion. So I get my first concussion of my college career. I got it in practice. We have relatively low ceilings in our gym. And so someone shanked, they passed the ball up to the ceiling. It ricocheted off the ceiling. And as I and another teammate sprint after it, ricochets, we both turn, change directions and collide into each other. So my head goes into her collarbone and literally just felt like I hit a brick wall. (laughs) Hardest hit ever. So bad. I actually, she actually fell down. I stayed standing, was kind of relatively fine. Ended up playing the rest of the practice. Felt pretty good. I mean, it just felt like it had hit a brick wall, but felt good nonetheless. Like did testing, did an hour of weights, went to class for several hours, then got home. And by about 6 p.m. or so, I remember texting my trainer and just being like, okay, feeling a little off, like slight headache, not too great. Went in the next day, had a diagnosed concussion. So that was concussion number one in the fall of my sophomore year. And then spring rolls around, back, obviously healed. I was only out about two and a half weeks from that concussion. So nothing terrible, just enough to knock me out for a couple of matches or a couple of weekends of play. Came back in spring, came back in fall, starting over. Came back in fall after two and a half weeks. After switching again, I played outside, went to DS, got my concussion, came back from my concussion, and then I actually switched positions again. So third position of the season, third position practically in a month, and I switched from outside to DS to now a middle. And again, if you guys don't know volleyball positions or our listeners don't know volleyball volleyball positions, I always relate it to football. And it's kind of like this. It's pretty much going from a wide receiver to a kicker to a defensive lineman. Like pretty drastic (laughs) changes here. And I did it all on a collegiate level and I did it all in about a month. So it was a crazy, crazy time for me of transitioning between all three of them. But I'll tell you eventually how that transition kind of paid off for me down the road. So I continue playing middle. We finish out that season of my sophomore year and spring rolls around. Same year. Spring rolls around playing. It's just spring competition, not our official fall season or ACC play or anything. And April comes and I'm blocking in practice and my teammate elbows me in the head and I get concussion number two. So second concussion within one year. And this one wasn't too bad, though. I was out for about the same amount of time, two and a half weeks or so. But symptoms wise, wasn't terrible. I really the only symptom I had was just being busy all the time, which isn't fun. And it makes me not be able to play. Um, So I was out for about two and a half weeks. But then I came back, was ready to go by summer, trained all summer, was good, still playing middle blocker at this time. And then fall of my junior season comes around. So junior year comes around. I'm excited. I'm starting as the middle hitter. 
and having a great time, excited for another year. Again, it's my junior season, so I feel like I'm kind of like the top dog now, like getting the hang of this whole college volleyball thing. And my first match, first tournament, and first set of my junior year, I make this pretty good block move, if I say so myself, down to block USF's right side hitter. And my hands were just a little bit too wide, and the ball comes through and nails me on the head. And it nails me on the head and goes and shoots up and hits the ceiling of our gym. So if that tells you anything about how hard that hit was, it was pretty hard. Jeez, but, nice. but in volleyball, I'll say this too. People get hit in the face all the time. All the time people get hit in the face. And so, you know, I, I got hit in the head. I actually landed and knew immediately something was off, but kept playing, was a little loopy, just out of it. No headaches or anything. Kept playing, kept playing, kept playing, finished the match. We had like a team event last night. I took my parents to the, to the airport. They were flying back home and woke up the next morning, headaches galore. So concussions, number three, all within one year of each other. And that concussion ended up knocking me out of my career. It was a season ending injury. It was a career ending injury. Ended my dreams of playing professionally overseas back in Eastern Europe like I had done before. And that changed my life honestly changed so many aspects of my life but after going through that experience of healing it took me about five months to heal and we can go in more into that process of course if we want but coming back in January after fully healing my coaches gave me the opportunity to stick around as a coach and so I actually switched from being now a player now an outside to a DS to a middle and now to a coach on the Hurricanes volleyball team and so Changed my path, obviously, more than I expected. But playing those three positions, as I said, I knew it would pay off. It paid off because now I can coach every position practically on the court. And so now as a coach, I have a whole different skill set just from all the experiences I've gone through. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It made me stronger in the end. It makes my experience as a coach a little easier and a little, and it just flows a little easier for me as well. And so now I'm a coach with the Hurricanes volleyball team, and I love it. It's so much fun. It's a blast. Back when I was injured, I couldn't even be in the gym because of light, because of noise. I couldn't follow a ball with my eyes. And now I'm in the gym every day coaching and hanging out with my teammates. So, again, not the same plan that I originally thought I'd have going into college, but it's been a blast ever since, and I love it. Wow. Wow. That is quite the story. I feel like I was listening to like a movie or an audiobook and I'm just like waiting to hear what's next. That's crazy. I have a lot of questions. I don't know about yeah. you. Oh no, I, I have I have so many questions based <laughs> so off of what you just said. And I'm not even really sure where, where to start. Uh yeah. well, so I guess we'll start here because this I didn't realize that part of your story. So that kind of leads me into this this next mm -hmm. question. Um, just maybe a little bit different than I was expecting. So we're always we've had a couple people on this podcast over the last couple of years that talk to talk a lot about transitioning as an athlete it's like once your once your athletic career is over over especially when you play in college what that transition is like right because your identity is so wrapped up in being an athlete that it can be a difficult transition for some people you went immediately into coaching and one of the things i'm always fascinated by you know maybe more so at the high school level is when you have a um, an athlete that goes on to play college and then they come back after a few years to coach at their former high school or they coach the high school level. There's such a small age gap that sometimes I, I have known people that had a really difficult time because there's so much raw passion in them still that when they don't see that same passion in their athletes, 
it's really difficult or because the, the age gap is so small, they have a tough time connecting because the athletes are kind of looking at them like you're three or four years older than me. Why would I listen to you? So for you, like there was a lot going on in your life at that point. So what was the transition? Like, how was it going from like immediately going from a player to a coach for the team that you used to play? Like, I'm just interested in all of that. Yeah, that, I mean, that's again, a whole novel of things I can say to and speak to, which I'll try to do my best and say it all, but again, feel free to ask more questions because I'm sure okay. you have more. We have um, so many. So yeah, <laughs> the, the first question, I guess, is just talking about the transition. As you were saying, it's always a struggle between college athletes, whatever athlete you may be of whatever capacity. It's most of the time a struggle when you transition from athlete, student athlete to normal person. And there's so many things different about the life you go into after student athlete that obviously it's going to be a big shock to you. And so going into Miami, I mean, you always hear people saying that just like older seniors and things like that, like, oh, the transition's so hard and just hearing alumni speak about it as well. And so I knew that would be the fact, but I also thought that was like maybe five, six, seven years away from me, not in my junior season of college. So for me, it was just really hard, the entire experience, but also really just hard feeling like it was just gone in an instant. And it wasn't like I tried out for the Olympics and I didn't make it. It wasn't like I tried to play pro and it didn't work out. It wasn't like I played pro, but wasn't a starter. Like I never even got to try. And I think that is always a hard thing even to this day for me, knowing that I didn't even finish my college career. Like I'll I'll never be able to prove myself as a collegiate athlete as much as I wanted to. I'll never be able to go play volleyball at the Olympics. I'll never be able to go play professionally, which playing professionally was in my goal and in my timeline. Honestly, it wasn't like this far off goal that I thought maybe it would be so cool if I played pro. Like, no, playing professionally was in my five-year plan of once I finish school, once I graduate, I'll go play pro for a few years, you know, within five years, come back to the States, go into my broadcasting career, continue that way. And so it was always just really hard knowing that it was cut short so soon before I felt like I even really got started. Like I said, my junior season, I felt like I was becoming the top dog. I was kind of getting the hang of things now. I was now a junior on this college team playing starting being a captain and then it was cut and it was just completely pulled from me and I really couldn't do anything about it. And so the process in transition in transitioning from that was hard as it is, but then also you mentioned that big factor of identity and man, that is so true. And especially in my case, because I mean, you mentioned my resume, I led the fellowship of Christian athletes. I was on the executive board of the Student Athlete Advisory Committee at Miami. I served in my church here. I led teams there. I led the operation of Operation Christmas Child at Miami. I was a starter on Canes Volleyball. I was captain at that. I was a straight-A student. I anchored in UMTV. I did this and that and the other, and I could go down the list of all the things that my resume tell about me. And when when I got injured, I couldn't do any of that at all. I had to stop everything. I couldn't go to class. I couldn't go to practice. I pretty much laid in my bed right here for 24 hours a day, woke up, went and saw my trainer in the morning, filled out a symptom sheet that basically said, I feel terrible yet again. And then I would go back home 
And that was pretty much my day. My parents both came down and lived with me for three months or so, just to pretty much take me to, I had so many appointments. I was seeing a neurologist. I was going to vestibular therapy for my brain. I was going to cognitive therapy also for my brain and just emotional sides of it as well. And I was also going to straight up therapy because I was trying to stay sane in all of this too. And so again, couldn't go to class. I ended up basically dropping out of school. I ended up leaving the semester early, going home. I, again, couldn't be in the gym ever because of the balls flying around. I couldn't get wrist, getting hit in the head. I couldn't stand the lights or the loud music in the gym. I couldn't stand the sound of a ball even bouncing. I couldn't follow a ball with my eyes. And so talking of identity there, all of that stuff was ripped from me. All of it. Again, I was literally went from this starting middle hitter on a college team to now having the athletic ability of an avocado and sitting in bed all day. And in my, in my therapy, even one of the things I was trying to do for vestibular therapy for my brain was I would try my best to walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes a day at two miles per hour. And if you don't know how slow two miles per hour is, it is extremely, extremely slow. And keyword there too, is I tried to do this. I couldn't do it every day. A lot of days they had to pull me off the treadmill, say I was going too slow that it hurt because I couldn't go faster or my heart rate would shoot up. I mean, it was just a really, really, really hard time for me physically, mentally, emotionally. And plus, again, you have this identity crisis going on because I have all of these roles that I'm involved in, all of these organizations taken away from me. And so what am I now? I'm not a student athlete. I'm not a student, not a Canes volleyball player, can't lead all these organizations I have. I'm practically nothing but myself as a person. And so during that time, I had to really, really, really dig deep and just realize that my identity was not rooted in my performance in the classroom or performance on the court. Truthfully, again, as a Christian, I say my identity is rooted in Jesus Christ. And that's it, point blank, period. You know, all these things that I do are incredible. They build me. They strengthen me in my character. They strengthen me as a person, as a player, as an athlete, as a coach. And they're all fantastic. And I love them with my entire heart. But at the end of the day, they really don't hold much power to them. And so I had to learn that. And I still struggle to learn that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect in any ways now at realizing that about myself. But I had that identity crisis and I realized that if I am just me as myself and don't have my resume full of all this stuff, I'm still enough. I'm still fantastic. I'm still a wonderful person. I'm still a great person, a great personality. I'm still strong, even though maybe I lift, I used to lift 70 pound dumbbells. Now I lift eight pound dumbbells and get tired. (laughs) Like I clearly am different now. I'm not the same athlete that I used to be. Thankfully, I am able to do everything else for the most part. My brain is fully healed. I'm good to go on most everything. I can work out again, but I'm different. And I'm not the same person as I was two years ago. And so a lot of that, again, was that identity crisis. But what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I'm better than I ever was before. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, I mean, mean, okay, so Cam, I... You, you, you talked about some of it already, like some of your symptoms and what you were feeling, but I want to go just a little bit deeper into that. So, okay. So I've never had a concussion. 
um, our listeners are, you know, of the, um, you know, high school athlete um, and coaching world. And Josh and I have actually had a, um, an episode about injuries, um, a couple of them. And so uh, and Josh and I are always like, um, well, the only injuries we've had are, and I say, I had a sprained ankle and then Josh, I don't know, Josh. I got, I got hit by a line driving the funny bone. We, we realized, Cam, we realized this halfway through the episode, like 35 minutes deep. We're like, you know what? We shouldn't be talking about injuries because we've never really experienced anything serious, but yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I played, um, I played volleyball in high school, so I know what you mean by all the, like the positions and stuff. And then I played, um, softball at a, um, small junior college. Um, but still like, I've never, like, I just sprained my ankle. Like that's been my biggest injury. So in terms of like a concussion and some of our listeners can probably relate for those who have had concussions. Um, if you don't mind going just, just for like briefly, like deeper into like the symptoms you felt, just how serious it was. Cause it sounds serious with, you know, all the physical therapy and therapy. And then it, you know, you couldn't go to class. So other than like feel the people, the symptoms that people know, feeling dizzy, lightheaded, you know, um, headache, you know, you need to lie down. What other kind of symptoms did you have that like really surprised you or that really threw you off? And okay. Josh, I think. Well, I just wanted to add something on to just to, because I think when we talked about this and it was like so many episodes ago, yeah. I think Deb, one of the things you brought up was, I think it happened to one of your softball girls that you were coaching. And I think sometimes, and I don't know if this was the case with you, Cam, but sometimes I think athletes think it's not that big of a deal, or I'm sure it's not a concussion and they brush it off. If, if I remember correctly, Deb. Yeah. Well, and also what I've seen athletes do is they lie and they are like, nope, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going to play and they don't realize the seriousness of it. It's right. that it, at the end of the day, it is your health. Although that part is extremely unfortunate cam, as you know, to not be able to play. Like, I mean, I'm sure you would have done anything. Um, but you seem like such like a truthful person that you're like, I have to like, something's wrong. I got to say something. So, and so anyway, so that's why I wanted you to go, you know, tell our listeners, um, some of them are athletes listening, just like a little deeper into the concussions and, um, just the seriousness of it and your symptoms and stuff and how, cause yours was compounded three in a row. Right. And how that, how that can happen. Cause if they don't say anything and they go back in too soon, not only can they have another physical impact concussion, but they can just have a movement like whiplash and that can cause another additional concussion and they don't realize it. So, um, so anyway, yeah, if you wouldn't mind going a little deeper into that. Yeah, of course. I'll try to unpack most everything as best as I can. Yeah. And to start off to trying to take one thing at a time, you mentioned it could also be motion. And my first mm -hmm. concussion, actually, like I said, I, I had nailed my head into this girl's collarbone, but I also, the impact, I then whipped my head back. And so they think a factor of it as well, yes, was probably the impact, but most of it was probably actually the whiplash, not wow. even that banging of my head to her collarbone, but the way I jerked my head back so fast. Wow. So, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. That happened to Patrick Mahomes during the playoffs, right? And that's what, there was a big discussion in that game. They're like, I don't even think he hit his head, but they're like, no, it was the, the whiplash that did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot of different ways that you could get diagnosed as a concussion as well. Right. Um, but symptoms I had talking about that. I had, I had different symptoms every concussion I had. The first concussion I had was pretty much mainly just kind of headaches and dizziness. And then, so pretty much what everyone thinks of when they think about concussion, as you said. Second concussion I had was really just like extreme dizziness and vertigo. I mean, I remember I would be driving in my car and going through a roundabout across campus. And I would just feel like the entire room was just, oh my goodness, spinning. And I was just out of it. Oh, it was terrible. And then my last concussion, though, was clearly the most severe. Like I said, it took me about five months to fully get back um, to be able to do physical activity again. 
And I had every single, con- every single symptom, excuse me, known to man <laughs> in terms of having a concussion. And so I had obviously headaches. I had dizziness. I had vertigo. I had sensitivity to light and noise, which is very severe. I was more irritable, which is actually a symptom of concussions, believe it or not. So I would get irritated more frequently. I had depression. I had anxiety. I, um, what else? I, yeah, I mean, literally everything. Oh, I nausea. That was another one. I was nauseous. Yeah. So like all of that 24 seven, never a break. There was never a moment that I, you know, it wasn't like headaches on and off. I always had a headache, just oh. always, always, always had a headache. And it was just terrible. Mm. And then with that too, I mean, like I said, I had sensitivity to light sensitivity to noise. So for five months, I wore sunglasses and earplugs everywhere. I went everywhere and like headphones, oh. kind of like how Josh has on too. So I would, <laughs> I would literally be wearing sunglasses, black sunglasses, earplugs and headphones. And this was like to the few places that I was able to leave the house. So basically to my therapy sessions and to go see my trainer to get more medication. And so I was also on crazy, crazy intense medication that was just insane. Some things were even turned down because of the severity or maybe even intensity of the medications we actually turned down and we're like, no way, I'm not taking that. Um, And because of the medications on top of everything as well, I couldn't drive so that, I mean, obviously with a concussion, you probably don't want to be driving too much if it's as severe as the one I had, Um, but I couldn't drive. So again, that was another big reason why my parents had to come down and live with me is to take me everywhere I needed to go in terms of appointments and seeing my trainer and things like that. But yeah, I mean, oh, extreme, just tired. I was exhausted all the time. That was another thing too. And then I couldn't sleep. And so it was, it were my sleep schedule was just off. And so I would sleep in my bed relatively, I would probably get like three hours or so of sleep at night. And then I would just be up completely wide eyed, could not fall asleep. And then later in the day, I would be exhausted, obviously, from only getting three hours of sleep. And so I'd sleep through the day. And it was just a terrible sleep schedule, always exhausted, always having headaches, feeling dizzy, feeling nauseous room was always spinning, couldn't stand light noise. Again, wore the sunglasses, headphones and earplugs everywhere I went for five months. And it was just a really, really, really tough time. There was never a day I felt good, never a day. And every single, you know, day, every single week, I would go into my trainer's office. I would see my teammates maybe for a slight moment as they would just come and say hello to me. And everyone always asks, of course, how are you feeling? Are you feeling any better? And every day for five months, I was just like, no, I'm not. I still feel terrible. I'm still severely depressed. Still can't go to class. Still not practicing. Still not going to practice. Still not doing anything. Still mm-hmm. staying at home. And it was, nothing was good. Nothing was good. Wow. wow. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it like, was. <laughs> so awful. And like, and it's not like you couldn't, like you said, you'd be wide awake at night. It's not like you couldn't even watch TV to try to like, make you go back to sleep or like for your entertainment or if you could it had to have been very low light or very low volume or nothing probably it's like that sounds so so bad well yeah it was yeah go ahead sorry 
on that point too, it was no screen time at all. No screen time, no phones. No, I, this wasn't like a chill. I could watch Netflix all day. Hey. Like, no, nothing. And that made it really hard for school too, because I couldn't go to class. And on top of that, you know, I couldn't try to keep catching up in class by looking at PowerPoints online or watching lectures or anything like that. Cause I couldn't do that. And then I could barely even look at a screen long enough just to email my professors to tell them what was going on. I mean, it was just, it was absolutely terrible. I was miserable for five months and that's, that's the honest truth. <laughs> well, then I'm just thinking too, because you can't do anything like that. And because you're not sleeping, like sleep would have been the one time where you can kind of stop thinking about the situation and how much it sucks. Like you don't even have that. So, and you can't, like, like you said, watch Netflix. So the entire time, all you are doing is sitting there with your thoughts that are probably not the most fun like for those five months. Right. So man, it's just brutal. You can't escape. It's like a maze. You know what I mean? You just can't find your way out. Um, yeah, that, that, wow. that stresses me out. Just hearing that. I'm glad I, I know. <laughs> Jeez. Man. I know. Well, it's thank you for, sh- thank you for sharing all that. I'm sure it doesn't, I mean, I know you seem very open to talk about it, but I'm sure it sucks just like at least remembering it for a second. So that that's good for athletes to know, like to say something. If you, if you think, if you feel any of these symptoms or whatever, don't try to be a hero and go back in because you know, it can be compounded without you even getting help the first time. And then you're going to go what Cam went through. Like, it's just, that sounds awful. Yeah. And to that point too, there is a moment I actually had a teammate a year ahead of me. She was one year older than me that kind of had the same thing happen to her. And she ended up medically retiring from concussions as well. So I was able to see her process a little bit and know what she was going through. So when it came my turn to kind of go through it all, I knew a little bit about it, unfortunately, through her experience. And so we would always talk. We would always talk about it as we were going through things. And just she actually also turned into a coach after she finished playing as well. And so we would always just talk about our experiences. And one thing she told me early on in my concussion, because the minute I got my third concussion within a year, I knew it was bad news. I didn't know if I would medically retire or not, but I knew it was bad news and it could potentially be that. And so every single day I thought to myself, am I ever going to play again? Am I ever going to play again? Am I ever going to get better? Am I ever going to play again? So this was from day on from September 7th, 20th, 19 every single day for five months thinking those thoughts and so I talked to her and she told me just straight up as I was trying to heal that cam eventually you got to think about it as looking years down the years down down the road you have to think am I gonna have to miss out on my son's state football championship game because the noise is too loud Am I going to have to miss out on the state championship basketball game because the crowd is screaming too much and it's echoing off the walls and I can't stand it. For me personally, am I going to have to give up on my dream of working at ESPN because I can't stand studio lights anymore? Mm. And so it became a bigger factor of looking at the big picture of realizing this isn't just about, am I going to get to play tomorrow or the next day or the next day? or next spring or the following season, this was, am I going to be able to have a normal life again? And I doubted that for five months, but the the choice to medically retire, though it literally kills me every single day, I walk into the gym and I know that I can't step on the court like all my teammates around me do. It kills me. But I also know that I'm going to have potentially a better life because of it. Because if I got hit, hit in the head again, 
who knows what would happen? Who knows what my life would look like? I could have concut or I could have symptoms every single day for my entire life, let alone for a little bit more of a season. And so making that decision to medically retire, though it was again, the hardest decision of my entire life and still crushes me to this day. I knew it was so important to put my health first. And because of that, it was an easy quote unquote decision. Right. Yeah. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. And I feel like that's one of the biggest assets for athletes, right? That competitive spirit and that drive and determination. Once you're able to, you know, accept the fact that things won't be what you maybe hope for or what, how they were, if you can pivot and take that competitive nature and that drive to something else that you're passionate about, like as you did with journalism and all these other things you're involved with, it's a, it's a huge thing. But I think there is that point where you have to, like, I think athletes wrestle with it and have to, you know, kind of struggle through that to get to that point where they can kind of move on to the next thing. It's as much as it sucks. It's, you know, and it's interesting too. I feel like a lot of people we've had on the show have had some similar things happen to them where it was an injury that knocked them out of their sports career. And you look at all the people that are in that spot, they're doing amazing things right now because that, you know what I mean? That passion, that drive is still in them. So, um, it's, it's, it's cool, but it's not fun to go through if that makes sense. You know, of course. Yeah. And, and that whole concept there is kind of what my life motto has become too. growing up. My mom always told me this, this quote of saying, play where your feet are. And that has really become my life motto in everything I do, because I may not be playing on the court anymore. My feet may not be on the court anymore. They may be on the sideline now, but I'm still playing where my feet are. I'm still doing the best I can as now a coach, just like I did the best I can on the court as a player, as a teammate, though, my role may be different. I'm still playing where my feet are. Same thing goes, like you said, in the journalism realm, in the sports realm in sports journalism and sports broadcasting. When I'm in the studio, I'm playing where my feet are. I'm doing the best where my feet are in that moment. And that's how I approach every situation in life. And I think honestly, if I would have looked at that better while I was hurt, that would have changed a lot of my experience too, because I needed to realize that I needed to play where my feet are. I needed to realize that my goal during this five months of trying to heal from this concussion, my goal was no longer to be ACC player of the year, get all these volleyball accolades, make it to the NCAA tournament. It wasn't any of that. It wasn't to lift 70 pound dumbbells anymore. My goal then, as I was playing where my feet were, was to try to walk those two miles per hour a day for 10 minutes. It was trying to get up out of bed, walk to the kitchen and back without having a terrible headache. It was trying to make it all to my therapy appointments and feel a little bit better by the end of the day or by the next day. That's what playing where my feet are was. And if I did that, again, my experience would have been a little better. And so through this experience, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I've learned that as well, that playing where my feet are and playing where your feet are is so, so important. And it's so vital just for victory in general of going into every situation, knowing that no matter what role you're in, whether it's related to sports or not, ignore the whole word of play, whether this word is related to sports, whether it's related to your career, whether it's being a mom, being a dad, being a coach, being a teacher, whatever it may be, you just need to play where your feet are. And through that, you will find that joy that I mentioned is so important in life. You will find motivation to do anything and everything with excellence. And so play where your feet are. Again, it's become my life motto and it's really changed my life at that too. Yeah. It's like, uh, drop, drop the mic right there. That's what I was going to say. Oh, you know say? <laughs> that's pretty good. That was really good. 
Oh my gosh. Um, we don't need to keep going. That was pretty good. She does. That's the place. We have more questions. Don't get, don't get too excited. We definitely have more questions, but we could, we could end it there. Yeah. yeah. Or, or how about this? Me and Josh don't need to be here. Cam, you got the whole podcast. <laughs> it's we, true. We don't need to be here. I know. I asked this question. I feel like I asked this question to all of our guests just because I feel like they should have podcasts, but have you considered starting a podcast? Do you have, I you don't have. have one, do you? I don't currently have one. No, I have considered it though. So it's definitely in the back of my mind. It should yeah. probably be on the front of your mind because you're pretty good. So just a thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we definitely have a lot of good things to say, as you can tell with all of our questions that we have for you. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. I just, well, I mean, Josh, I know, I think you wanted to get into this too, or maybe you could, we can go one at a time type thing, but so Cam, something that you, you know, playing where your feet are, like something that has, has brought about, you know, with all, you know, your injury and like now you're coaching. So out of all that, what else have you been able to get into now other than coaching? So basically tell us like, what other things are you doing? As Josh says of your long resume list, go ahead and tell our listeners what that looks like. Sure. Well, one of the coolest things about taking a different role with the team is that obviously as a coach, which I said, obviously I'm already coaching. So you guys know that, but Mm -hmm. as a coach, you also get to just learn so much more about the game. So that in and of itself has been really cool. I've been able to work on a couple of scouting reports for us, kind of see the reasoning behind everything our coaches always told us to do rather than just hearing it and being like, okay, let's do that. I now understand the reasoning behind all these tactics and strategies and stuff. And so through that, I've gotten to learn the game on a whole new level, which has been incredible. And it's actually assisted me in other things. And so probably the most exciting thing that comes to my mind right now and in a couple of days here, it'll happen, which by the time this podcast is out, probably already would have happened, but you guys could potentially watch it back, is that I will be the ACC Network color commentator for an ACC Network match this weekend. And so through this opportunity of now being able to coach, I've again learned so much more about the game of volleyball and also had a little bit of time to step away from volleyball to then pursue my broadcasting career and my broadcasting activities and things, extracurriculars. And so I really just developed my skills as a broadcaster this past year a lot. And through that, again, I've made these connections and gotten a gig with the ACC Network, which my dream is to work with ESPN. It's my dream is to work with the ACC Network. And now before I even graduate, I'll be doing that this weekend. So I'll be ACC Network color, color commentating for the UNC Louisville volleyball match this weekend, which is an incredible opportunity. And I'm so excited for it. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's awesome. so cool. For sure. Well, awesome. I just, it, again, it just kind of drives home the point even further that you look at all the stuff you're doing now and how, you know, in the moment when you're dealing with all the struggle, it's like, this is never going to end. And like, why yeah. did this happen? And then you look forward and how a lot of those things have been used for your benefit now. And I think there's so many people that, you know, let me take it back. I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if there's so many people that go through really tough times and then don't, you know, get out of it. Maybe they just get stuck there. But I think if you go through those types of things and then down the road, you're not going back to that experience and taking whatever you can to learn from it and benefit you in the future. I think you're missing out. And that to me, it's like the failure is just failure or the, the struggle is just struggle. But if you use it, then it becomes experience that can benefit you and hopefully benefit other people too. So it's so cool to hear what you're doing now and how like other dreams have come true because of the struggle that you went through, you know, in an unfortunate situation. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And going off of that too, sorry, Deb, 
to interrupt you there. Yeah, <laughs> um, that kind of goes back to how I was saying play where your feet are. And yeah. so I say to play where your feet are, but don't stay where your feet are. That's where a lot of people may make the mistake. Of, like you say, they get complacent where they're at. They kind of get comfortable. Maybe they're doing well. Maybe they're not doing well, but they don't want to put in the work to then be excellent or to then transition out of that season. Um, and even the mindset podcast, talking back to them again, I think one of their mottos or sayings or something too is to fail forward, to fail forward. And so even after you fail, you're still moving forward. You got to keep on going. You got to keep on chugging along. You live and learn from your mistakes. And again, you, don't, you play where your feet are, but you don't stay where your feet are. And so every opportunity you encounter, whether it's good or bad, it's a learning experience. And there should be something you can take from it and analyze from it and learn and move on and become even better because of it, whether good or bad. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Really I feel like that. I feel like you just answered this next question, but could um, uh, what kind of advice would you give to young athletes today? Well, and especially, okay, let me reword this just because we're in a pandemic and just with everything happening and, you know, um, I guess, uh, you know, COVID related, well, sports are opening back up, so that's good. But um, what advice would you give to young athletes, I guess, regarding, I don't know, like how, I don't know, you seem to have a better outlook on life now that you've gone through all this in terms of that. So I guess gearing in that direction. Um, yeah. What is something, if you could tell an athlete a paragraph of things or however long you want, what, what would that look like? Don't say however long I want. Cause I can <laughs> go on and on and on. <laughs> no, but welcome again, I, I've already mentioned it and I'll say it again, but it really is to play where your feet are. Yeah. And it's just, it's, you can, related to anything and everything in life. So for me, again, as an athlete, I was an outside hitter. I was a GS and I was a middle. And so I was playing where my feet were literally in the game of volleyball in every position that I was in. I was doing the best wherever I was at. If I was on the sideline, you better believe I was going to be the loudest cheerleader on the sideline. Even if I was riding the bench, I was going to be the loudest in the entire gym club, high school, college, no matter what it may be, I was always going to be the loudest. Now as a coach, again, I'm on the sidelines. I'm not on the court playing, but I'm still playing where my feet are and doing the best I can. In studio, again, I mentioned all this, no matter what capacity you're in, to play where your feet are. And also just another piece of advice too. My mom always told me that, again, mother knows best. She's full of great advice. Dad too, shout out to dad as well. But my mom always told me to, to, all right, excuse me, my mom always told me that every day and everything is a tryout. And so every single moment you go into, it's a tryout. Someone is watching, whether it's someone above or someone below, whether it's that little girl that plays on the 13th team at, at your old club that looks up to you, that follows you on Instagram, that sees everything you post. Everything's a tryout for her. You're setting an example in everything you do. Or maybe it's going to school every day and it's how you interact with your professors those connections could lead to future jobs those connections with your classmates could even lead to future jobs those connections with your coaches those connections with the person in the grocery store like literally anyone and everyone everything you do in every day is a trial every single encounter you have is a trial and not saying that to make you think everyone's always watching i need to be on my best behavior or to have all this pressure or even to think that you need to care so much about what everyone thinks around you, because I promise you that's not what I'm saying. Again, I had the whole identity crisis. I realized that all those things on my resume, all those things that everyone may think about me, 
don't necessarily matter. So it's not that aspect of things. It's the aspect of going into everything and wanting to do it excellent. There's a quote I've heard too, and I'm going to butcher it because I butcher this quote every single time I say it. So forgive me if I butcher it the first time around. But I think it says that it's like, here, sorry, I'm going to mess up the podcast recording, no. but I'm going to look it up because it's so, it. so good. It's so good, guys. No. You, can't, you can't mess this podcast up. We do that on our own. So you're good. Yeah. You, yeah. you can edit. That's what editing's for. Yeah. <laughs> I know that as a broadcast journalist. Yeah, yeah we could. Okay. Will I? Mm, I don't know. This is fine. They're, they're used to this kind of stuff. I got it now. I got it now. So yeah. okay, <laughs> okay. So it says, it says, great people do little things with excellence. Great people do little things with excellence. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. When I heard this quote or saw this quote the first time, I was like, great people don't do a lot of things excellently. Like, that's what I was thinking it was saying. Like, what? Like, you don't do many things with excellence. But I was like, oh, that's not the meaning. Here's the meaning. Mm-hmm. It's that great people do the little things. The little everyday life things, the little things that you go through, the little mundane routine things that you don't think much about, they do those little things with excellence. And so, again, it ties back in the whole concept of playing where your feet are, mm-hmm. of the fact that everything you do and every day is a tryout. It's putting your best foot forward no matter what it may be, no matter if you're at the bottom of the totem pole or if you're the CEO of the company. It yeah. doesn't matter at all. Every single thing matters again not to put the pressure on you to perform but to realize that you can make an impact wherever your feet are at wherever your feet are at you have the potential to make an impact and again I mean talking back to social media even if you have an Instagram I know we're a lot of you guys listening maybe high schoolers too or just athletes in general you likely have an Instagram and I promise you if you have an Instagram you can make an impact you are already an influencer. You don't need a blue check mark or a sponsored ad to become an influencer. You are already an influencer where you're at. And so take that with pride. Don't take that with pressure. Take that with pride, knowing that, hey, I can change someone's life today. If I post a good quote on my Instagram story, that could make someone's day so much better. If I post this, you know, hashtag real post, I'm a huge fan of Victoria Garrick, if you know who she is. And she's the queen of doing real posts. And so just being honest, being real, being raw, if you post that, that may change someone's life. Someone may see that and say, oh my goodness, they went through depression and anxiety too. I'm going through it right now. I thought I was the only one. Or someone struggles with body image, so do I. Oh my goodness, that's so freeing So knowing someone else does. And now that I have that connection with them, I can talk to them and I can get through it and I can become better because of it. And I can share my testimony and hopefully I can change someone else's life too. So no matter who you are, you have a platform already. You are already an influencer. And so again, just going into every situation, playing where your feet are, knowing that every single thing you do every day is a trial. And then also, like that quote said, do the little things with excellence because that'll make the big things come around. That'll open the big doors for you is if you do the little mundane things with excellence. Yeah. I'm wow. telling you, someone get Cameron a podcast. Like this is not, this is nonsense. <laughs> this is nonsense that this is uh, hasn't happened yet. I'm just saying. let me. Sorry, interjecting you again to add to that. Going back to the whole little things with excellence, playing where your feet are, all that stuff too. Hmm. If you want to relate that specifically to a sport, every single rep you do in practice in a match, goofing off, it all matters. Because that one rep that you're really working on your platform, trying to pass it perfectly in a volleyball practice at the beginning of practice, 
when you're just peppering with your teammate, goofing off a little bit, that could contribute to the national championship match one day. Believe it or not, that little movement of making sure you have the perfect angle, that little movement of shooting a free throw, whatever it may be, kicking a, kicking a field goal in practice, whatever your sport may be, those little, little reps when you think the coach isn't watching, when you think, oh, it's the last, oh, we have 30 minutes left of practice, like, oh, we're almost done, or even the exact opposite of, oh, we're just starting practice, you know, I, I got to get warmed up a little bit, so it's okay if I shank a couple balls, if I make some errors, it's all fine. No, every single rep you do matters. It can contribute. Again, the little things, that opens the doors to big things later in life. And so you have to really take advantage of every, every single moment. Because yeah. again, as athletes, if you hear this from anyone, especially me, it goes by so fast and it could go by in a blink of an eye. It did for me. I had no idea it was ending so soon. It ended before my college career even ended, ended before my junior season even ended. First point of my junior season, I gave up the career I thought I had laid out before me. I gave up the sport that I love and still love today. I gave up the sport that I had played for over a decade with one point. So I guarantee you that one point, 10 years before that, when you're training in club, high school, middle school, elementary school, going to a college camp, whatever it may be, that point is important. You should value that point because of the joy that it can bring you, but also because of how much better it can make you as a player down the road as well. Right. Wow. Wow. That's that awesome. was really good. I feel you like do need could, a, yeah, right. no, you do need a podcast, Cam, by the way. You do need one. I'm trying to say. That's all I'm saying. If, if Will somebody, you guys if be my guest? Can I have you guys on as guests if I have a podcast? Absolutely. We, we, we definitely would, but we would also advise you not to bring us on because I think you have <laughs> access to better guests. But if you're desperate, we could do it. <laughs> oh, no. um, we'll be your practice round. How about yeah, that? How about that? We'll be, we'll be a preseason yeah. podcast for you. How about that? Um, well, we could do this. We could do this forever, but we want to make sure we're, we're mm. respectful of your time. Um, so we have one more question for you. It's the one we always end on. And that is, what is character to you and why is it important? Hmm. Character is everything. That's everything to me. That's, I mean, literally everything. I talk about playing where your feet are and doing all this relating to sports as well. But again, I said it relates to you as a person. It's that encounter with the person who's bagging your groceries. It's the encounter, it's the encounter with the person sitting next to you in class when you're having a rough day. Character on social media. Like all of these things matter. Someone is always watching. Someone's always watching. And again, you have the potential to impact people in the most fantastic way ever. You have the potential to save lives, to impact lives, and to make lives around you better. You have an opportunity to be the light, to make someone say better. Again, going back to the very beginning of this podcast, how I said that joy is so important to me. Joy is so important to me. Because if I can make someone smile, my day is check. Well done. Good job. You completed your task for the day. If I can make someone smile, if I can make someone laugh, if I can make someone feel better about themselves, that's what matters. That's what matters is impacting the person next to you. Again, the little things in life, whatever it may be, holding a door open for someone. I'm also from the South. And so I'm very big on these like little acts of kindness because we're so big on Southern hospitality. And so just the little things I'm telling you, they mean so much. Banking your bus driver. I was, I was riding the shuttle at school today and I thanked my bus driver as I left and he was just so happy to hear it. I bet you he never gets thanked. Thanking your Uber driver, like just little things like that, I think are so important. And again, can make the world a better place. 
that's what's going to bring joy is doing the little things with excellence. It's playing where your feet are. It's caring about your character because your character can change lives. So I think character is just so important. It's so valid. As a coach, too, now, even as a player, my goodness, character is important to college coaches, too. So anyone listening to that, trying to be recruited, wanting to play professionally in college, whatever it may be, character is very, very, very important. Your attitude is very, very, very important. The fact if you're coachable, if you are coachable or not, is very, very, very important. So I would take someone with a great attitude, maybe not as much skill, but a lot of hard work all day over the best player in the entire world that hates their teammates. If they make an error, they turn around, they don't go high five another person. I would take the player with a good attitude, perseverance, hard work all day over the best player in the entire world. For sure. Character is so important to the game, to life, to everything you go about in. Love it. Yep. I think I, I really hope that a lot of people get to listen to this episode yeah. because the, this is really important. So thank yeah. you for sharing all of that. That yes. was awesome. Thank of you course. so much. Um, <laughs> yeah. And we want to make sure that people, you know, after they listen to this podcast, they can continue to follow what you're doing and, and continue mm-hmm. to get these, like these gems of information. So where yeah. can they follow you on social media? Yeah. So social media, my Instagram is at cam.dobbs, C-A-M period D-O-B-B-S, just my name, plain as that. I also have an Instagram called Cam on Cam. It's my broadcasting Instagram as of now. It may be merging with my personal Instagram. So you could probably just go to my personal Instagram, find everything there. Um, and then what else? I mean, hey, in a couple of years here, check me out on ESPN. Yeah. <laughs> check me out. Hey. Yeah. They, will be, they will be lucky to have you. Oh, they will be you. lucky. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. Hey, where was she that's the goal, we though. had her on early. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I will always, I'll always come back. I'll always come back for sure. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I always warn people, people say that. I'm like, people say that and we take people up on that. So I hope you know what you did. Seriously. Yeah. Of course. Anytime, anytime. Let me ask you this too. I hate to put you on the spot. This might be the hardest question that we've asked you. Okay. So you did the mindset podcast. You've done ours. Which one did you like more? Be honest. We can take it if you like theirs better. (laughs) Okay. Let me say they were both different because mindset podcast, they gave me a little more of like a script in a way beforehand. So I kind of knew what was coming, but then you guys, I didn't really have any idea what was coming. And so I had a lot of fun with you guys just kind of like YOLO, like going through this whole podcast and just talking and like figuring it out as we go. And as you guys said in the beginning, like we may have changed a little bit of what you originally thought you were going to talk about with me. Um, And so I think this was a lot of fun just to talk with you guys too. And of course, I mean, you played volleyball in high school so connection there <laughs> yeah exactly i when you said you were ds i was like what especially when you said six two i'm five five so of course yeah. i played ds <laughs> i played ds and i played outside hitter when they were desperate for an oh i like never played middle oh god i would totally lose the game for them you oh, look, I, I, I thought you would be middle and so and you said you were at one point but yeah yeah well so get I, this again talking about us getting sidetracked yeah you said you're five, five and, you know, played outside when they were desperate or whatever. Yeah. Right now with Kane's volleyball, we're actually going through a hard time with injuries again, kind of like it was when I was playing. Yeah. And this past weekend, I guess I can't too, say too much just because it's injuries, but this past weekend we had a girl go down and she was our starting middle. 
And she went down. We already had a lot of injuries before her. So we were already kind of struggling with our lineup a little bit. And so our five, three, maybe DS ended up playing middle (laughs) that match. And we ended up losing against BC, which was terrible. But the next day we played Virginia Tech, who was this super physical, like six, three, six, five, big blocking team, like really good team in general too, that we were going up against with our setter now being an outside with our DS who played middle the night before as five, five was now setting with another DS. She ended up being the other middle. And so we just had this crazy little like minions and munchkins running around on our court, hitting all these high balls in the middle. Like just, it was literally just like, we have nothing to lose. So we're just going to go for it. And let me tell you, we spat Virginia Tech. Wow, that is awesome. Our little team of rugrats, and it was incredible. Munchkins and minions. (laughs) No, there's something to be said about when you play scrappy like that. That's not even a word. When you have a scrappy team like that. I had had a um, my junior college softball team, so softball, not volleyball. Our last season, um, we won our league, and uh, but we were the same. We were very small. We were just very fast and quick and just like – we were maneuvered well. We were not these big hitters, home run hitters. I was, we did not have big, like six foot two pitchers. Like we were tiny and we like kicked butt. So like that just like, you don't, doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Size, whatever, however you exactly. want to get it. It's hey, determination that's, and character. That's what happens when you play where your feet are. You can beat the odds. I'm mm-hmm. telling you. Yeah. There we go. Awesome. There we go. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out that based on going back to what I asked you, uh, she's basically saying in a nice way that they're way more professional than we are. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's fun. okay. I get, we're fun. That's all right. We're I'll take fun. it. They're <laughs> I'll professional. Take it. We're no, fun. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Deb, Deb <laughs> where okay. can they, uh, where can they follow us? You guys can follow us on um, Twitter at sports character, Instagram at character combine, Facebook. And we're on um, uh, check out our YouTube, YouTube channel. Did I miss any other? I think I got them all. Oh, I also it. have a Twitter. You can follow me there too. <laughs> oh, there. Oh, what's Boom. the handle? Same it's thing? actually just at Cameron Dobbs. So literally just my full name with an app beforehand. Okay. Perfect. We'll, we'll do that once we're off air. Perfect. There you are. Well, Cameron, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and we appreciate, you know, you just sharing your insight and experience and uh, good luck with everything. And we'll, we look forward to seeing you on ESPN one day. Yes. Hopefully sooner rather than later. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to happen for sure. Awesome. awesome thank you guys right. so much for today i really did have a blast it was so much fun yeah thank, thank you, you. Oh, we did too it was an honor thank you <laughs>